about a year ago, I was um, walking my dog around the neighborhood. I saw a young lady that was seated, not on the sidewalk, but on the grass in, in, in one of the yards, and she looked a little bit troubled, and I sensed the Lord telling me that I needed to stop, and so I stopped and, and just said, hey, what's going on? And, uh, well, within an hour, I'd helped her commit burglary. You guys probably want more than that, huh? So... Uh, turns out she she works at the Starbucks a couple blocks away and uh, had come home from work on her bicycle and uh, had locked her keys in the house and her parents were out of town and she had no way to get inside of her house except she told me um, the back patio sliding door was unlocked if she could just get over like the seven foot brick wall and get back there and so I said, well, hang on, I'll be back in a minute. I took my dog back home, and I came back with a, with a big ladder. And she climbed over that ladder, and sure enough, she got home. And uh, I got a free latte out of the deal as well. So it was, it was good. My experience of neighboring on that day was good. Now, you may be thinking, how do you know you weren't helping someone to break into a house? Well, I, I mean, I was helping someone to break into a house, but it was her house, I think. Because, A, burglars don't usually ride around the neighborhood on a Schwinn, right? Uh, B, I had seen her at Starbucks, so I knew that part of her story checked out. C, um, she was an Asian-American, about 20 years old, and I thought, I, I didn't know those neighbors, but I'd seen them before, and it looked like a pretty good match there, so it looked like a place she belonged. So we got her situation sorted out, and the, I guess the, the upshot of that story is it turns out there is not a one-size fits all approach to neighboring like we're going to give you a lot of ideas and and you'll see some of those in a guide that we have back at the information you'll hear some of those in your connections over the next few weeks but but really there is no exact science to this it is you figuring out what works for you and what works in your neighborhood and what it looks like to get to know people and without expecting anything in return to just love them and it started last week as we consider those words from Jesus which he says there's nothing more important in the Bible than loving your neighbor uh, like you love yourself it's simple it's straightforward in fact he said the whole Bible can be summed up by these two phrases loving God with all your heart soul mind and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself he said it's all summed up in that and so essentially we found last week Jesus telling us look um, it, it doesn't matter what you do in your life if you live your whole life and you don't learn to love you're a failure I mean, if those are the top two commands, if you don't learn to love your fellow, and the other side of that, which is good, is uh, whatever else happens, if you do learn to love, then your life is a success. And so what we finished is um, we found out that we humans, were kind of pros. We're kind of really good at taking something simple, taking something straight, straightforward, and overthinking it. Like this guy in Luke chapter 10 really smart guy, scholar, lawyer, this guy started asking Jesus about what is the most important thing in the Bible, and they had this conversation going, and, and when Jesus finished by, by telling him, love your neighbor as yourself, um, we have this in Luke chapter 10, verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions, so key phrase there, justify his actions, he wanted to justify those, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, um, 
here's what we know. He felt a need to justify himself. Um, what those behaviors were, what that lifestyle was, we don't know. But he probably wasn't 100% convinced that it was okay with God because he felt a need to justify himself. And we know also he wasn't satisfied with Jesus simply saying, love your neighbor as yourself. He wanted something more precise. He wanted to know exactly who God was requiring him to love. And now that Greek word there, neighbor, is plation, which literally, like neighbor, yes, but literally it's someone in close proximity to you. Someone who is nearby to you. And I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that the lawyer was hoping for a definition of neighbor that would make him feel good about what he was already doing, right? I mean, if, you're trying, if someone is trying to justify themselves, generally they're trying to feel good about some choice or choices that they are making in an ongoing sort of way. And so Jesus tells a story. The story of the Good Samaritan, the story that has become the stuff of legends, the story, the parable that is, is an epic parable. I mean, it's become so famous, and I did what I do when I preach this. I, I just get on the yellow pages online, and I start looking up businesses that use this Good Samaritan name. And so just in the state of Texas, I found hospitals, Good Samaritan hospitals, I found uh, counseling centers with Good Samaritan in their name. I, I found, um, found philanthropic organizations of every type, children's homes, Good Samaritan. I found a jewelry store in Amarillo, the Good Samaritan jewelry store. I found a tow truck company in Fort Worth, the Good Samaritan co tow truck company, all named after this guy in this story, a fictional character in a story that Jesus told. And so today and next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to explore this story. And next Sunday, we'll give more attention to the hero, the protagonist of the story, the Good Samaritan. But there are other people in the story. He is not alone in this story. Like you have one of the characters in the Good Samaritan story is this poor fellow who has been mugged and left for dead. On the highway between Jerusalem and Jericho, he was assaulted he was robbed, and he's, he's seriously injured, bleeding out on the side of the road. You've got him. You've got another character in the story who is a, a priest. Now, you would expect, and I'm sure this is why Jesus includes this character, you would expect a priest to have a pretty strong moral compass, pretty, pretty high integrity sort of guy. Certainly, baseline, a decent human being. But he didn't really act like a decent human being. In the story, Luke 10, verse 31, by chance a priest came along. When he saw the man, when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And no, no doubt the priest like the young Turk who asked the initial question, and who Jesus is my neighbor, this priest would have been uh, trying to justify this. I mean, that's a pretty creepy thing to do. Somebody's bleeding out, and you go to the other side, and you just walk by them. So no doubt there was some moral gamesmanship going on inside his head to make him feel better about that decision. 
But he crossed to the other side of the road when a guy clearly needed help. I mean, urgent care kind of help. I mean, wow. And then another apparently upright sort of person comes by. This is a Levite. A Levite, uh, a member of the clergy class as well there in Israel, a, a religious professional. Same song, second verse. Jesus says a Levite religious man showed up. But he also avoided the injured man. Avoided. Now it would be, it'd be easy and it'd be kind of interesting to explore all of the possible motives here. What were the reasons? What were the justifications? Why did they not stop to help? And I'm going to pass on that. Uh, whatever their reasons, they chose to ignore their neighbor. They chose to ignore that person that was close, that was right there. And the point is, in the parable of the Good Samaritan this morning, the point is, two out of the three, the Good Samaritan, the priest, the Levite, two-thirds ignored their neighbor. Two-thirds distanced themselves from their neighbor. Two-thirds crossed to the other side. And we'll zero in on the one that did stop next week. But, but this morning, you know, it's just a reminder, the Lord said... One of the top two is loving your neighbor. And so I ask myself, as I consider this story, and as I consider what's going on in this interchange between Jesus and his life, I consider myself, are my attitudes, are my behaviors in sync with the minority, the good Samaritan who actually engages the neighbor, connects with the neighbor, or are they more defined by the majority here, the priest and the Levite? who were detached and cold and self-justifying and had many excuses for not connecting with their neighbor. And I ask you this week, uh, just imagine that your phone is going to ring sometime this week and you look at it, you don't recognize the number, but 777 area code, that's heaven. So you know the Lord must be calling you. And you answer, yes, Lord, how can I help you? And it's Jesus, he's just calling to check in. How's it going? And you have a little small talk there. And, and finally, you tell Jesus, I do have one thing that's, that's not going the way I would like it to do. It's, it's my Christianity. And he says, well, what's up? And, and you say, it's, it's just really hard. It's really hard to be a Christian. And Jesus says, you mean hard like like you've been thrown in prison, like Paul and like some of my other people have been thrown in prison? I haven't been thrown in prison. Have you been scourged? I mean, I was scourged on the way to the cross, beaten within an inch of my life, and you know, I haven't been beaten or anything for my Christian faith. He says, well, um, the lions, have they brought back the lions? I mean, the Romans used those, and no, it's not the lions. So Jesus, so Jesus says, well, what, what is it? What is so hard about it? And you think and you just say, it's just awkward. It's just weird being a Christian. People thinking I'm a Christian. They might think I'm a nut or a fanatic or something like that. And I just imagine silence. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would know what to say to that. Seriously awkward. 
And this week, um, on Wednesday morning, our staff, our ministry staff got together, and I just asked them, hey, let's just brainstorm. Why do you think it is hard or awkward? What, what, what are those barriers that keep us from doing this? I mean, Jesus talked, love your neighbor, that person that's right next to you. I mean, if that's too hard for us, you know? And, and so what is it that keeps us from doing that? What, what are some of the barriers? As we talked for about 20 minutes about that, and I think I can kind of distill our conversation into about four different ideas or four different barriers. The first of these, quite simply, would be fear. I think fear a lot of times keeps us away from the other side of the street. Like, I don't engage because I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid of what might happen. I mean, if I try to connect, is it going to be awkward? Are, there, are they going to slam the door in my face? Are they going to say, leave me alone? And who knows, um, tell me to get lost. You know, and there are stories out there to make us afraid that, that certainly the news fixates on about weird neighbors, troublesome neighbors, dangerous neighbors. And so we can justify our actions with, with all of that. I mean, it's a dangerous world out there. And we can have some sort of peace with our decision not to connect with our neighbors. Or how about this next barrier to, to being a loving neighbor? How about time? The time barrier. You know, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. This sounds like you're asking me to add more into my already full agenda each week. And truthfully, we are busy. I mean, some of us, a lot of us, probably you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night, and in between it is very highly... Re- there are important things in there. You've got a lot of stuff to get done. There just isn't a lot of margin there. There's just not a lot of extra time in there. So I imagine the phone conversation again, you know, Jesus, um, yeah, I know you said this is the greatest commandment, but there's soccer practice for my kids, and I got, I got, I got a lot of grocery shopping and laundry that needs to be folded. I don't know that I have time for that, and I, I would say perhaps we need to find time for this. <laughs> Maybe even make time Amen. for this. If it's that important to you, Lord. The next one would be detachment. I don't engage because, frankly, I don't care. I don't care all that much about my neighbors. And one of the ministers this week, as we were sitting around talking about this, I mean, she just very forcefully talked about, you know, people who don't know the Lord, their eternity is in peril. Do we truly believe that they're lost without Jesus? Because it certainly seems like a lot of times we act like that. Or we just don't really care that they are lost. I know this is heavy. But I think we've got to do some soul surgery. I think we've got to ask some tough questions. Is there, do I just frankly not care about my neighbors? I, I, I'm reminded of my kids. Uh, Isla, when they were young, our kids, one of the things they would do when we would ask them a lot of times to do something that maybe they didn't really want to do, like, uh, they had this pat answer like, hey, can you come in and help me fold the clothes? I can get this done a, a whole lot quicker if you come in and help. And, and, and they would say, I'm good. <laughs> hey, Claudia, would you go to the grocery store with me? I, I could use your help uh, doing the shopping. I'm good. 
And I'll just say, without getting into specifics, we did some concentrated parenting and attitudes were changed. I mean, when Jesus calls and says, look, love God, love your neighbor. It's all about this. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And I think Jesus is telling us, you know, they might be lonely. Your neighbor might need help. You might actually enjoy getting to know your neighbor. I'm good, Jesus. Final barrier. There are probably others. This is kind of what we came up with. But differences. That's a barrier these days. We're in a very, not just multicultural society, but people are so different. So I don't engage because our differences make me uncomfortable. And chances are, actually I'd go beyond chances are, I would say almost certainly some of your neighbors are not like you. I mean, they may not look like you. They may not have English as their first language. Uh, They may have a different lifestyle. They may vote for different people than you vote for. They may... You may have gay neighbors. You may have neighbors that worship at a mosque. You may have neighbors that voted for Clinton or voted for Trump, for that matter. Or... Yeah, they're different. And I look back on this story of the Good Samaritan. I'm like, okay, so so did Jesus say, here's the commandment that I really need for you to work on. Love your neighbor as long as they're like yourself. Love them. Love your neighbor who looks like you, who votes like you, or worships like you, or thinks like you. Love them. I don't think Jesus said that. In fact, we'll find next week the story that he tells the Good Samaritan He told a story very strategically, very intentionally about someone who was quite different. Different religion, different culture, and that person became the star of the story. Not the Jewish priest and the Jewish Levite. And so I'm going to propose... This is kind of the main point this morning. I'm going to propose boldly and biblically that you are where you are. I mean, your physical address, your zip code, you are where you are very specifically because God put you there. Now, you may think you are there because you guys got a great deal. It's foreclosure, amazing deal on that house. Or, or you, got, you're, you are where you are because you loved the backyard or the floor plan or the schools. I would say think again. Jesus has thoughtfully and strategically placed you exactly where you are at this time in history. But don't take my word for it. Let's go to the scriptures. Inspired by God, the Apostle Paul was speaking on Mars Hill in Athens. This is in Acts chapter 17. Here's some of what he had to say. He said, God began by making one man, and from him he made all the different people who live everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they would live. Their birthdays, their addresses, their moves to a new place or another place, 
God wanted people to look for him. And perhaps in searching all around for him, they would find him. But he is not far from any one of us. They might see him next door. They might experience his love through his child that lives across the street. They might search for him and find him. And I believe whether you are a Christian, a Buddhist, a militant, atheist, I believe every person is searching for God in their own way. And Paul tells us, you're part of the answer because of where you live and who your neighbors are. That he, God, that he decided exactly where you would live and when you would live. And that he, God, did this so that people, you know, might reach out and find him. And so the challenge today is to work on your crossover move. Okay? Not, not the one perfected by the priest and the Levite who crossed over to the other side of the street. So that they could detach and just move right on past their neighbor. Not that one, but the one where you cross your yard. The one where you cross the street. And you start getting to know people around you without any expectations. Without any demands at all. And so here's the point this morning. This is on your outline. The courage to cross the street. I will work on my crossover move because the Lord asks me to love my neighbor and because he has chosen to have me live at this specific address in this moment in time. So I'm going to work on that. And the truth is, it's really not that scary. I think we're going to find out that it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. It's pretty cool. You may get to help someone break into a house, you know. Um, it's kind of rewarding. You may get a latte out of that deal. Um, I think you're going to find that God's got some really good things in store for you when you say yes to him in this. Now, what I'm going to do today is it's a little bit different. We don't do this very often, but I, I hope I'm not asking too much. It doesn't sound like too much when I think about it, but there's a little homework today, and it's not, it's not a big deal. Here is the homework for you. This is the 20-minute challenge, and I want, I want us all to do this within the next, before we gather again next week, so seven days. Um, here goes. This week, I will walk my neighborhood praying for those who live around me and invite the Spirit to open my eyes to opportunities to connect with them. So we're talking maybe 20 minutes or something, and you're walking and you're praying. I'm not asking you to put on sackcloth and ashes and kneel down on the front porch of your neighbor beseeching the Lord to save their souls. Just get out. Walk the neighborhood. Pray silently, or you can pray out loud if you want. Um, pray for those neighbors whose names you may not even know. And pray that the Lord will open your eyes for opportunities to connect with Him. Because that, that's His will for us to love our neighbors. Let's pray together. Lord God, our wise and loving Father, help each of us to accept, for better or worse, that you have been involved in our lives from the beginning. You chose our parents. You selected in the great timeline of history 
the precise date of our births and of where we would live. And Lord, we are thankful that you don't make mistakes. Help us to accept that your love can conquer any situation, can conquer any circumstance that we find ourselves in, and that you desire to cause all things to work together for our good according to your good purposes. We pray this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus. Amen. So it's, um, it's been about a year since I helped my neighbor break into her house. And um, I was thinking this week about kind of our situation and, and what Jesus did for us. Um, we were, I think there's a way of thinking about the gospel like we were locked out of our home. I mean, the place we're really meant to belong and to be. The house of the Father. And he had not locked us out. We had locked ourselves out. I mean, our sin, our shame, our running away from God, our rejecting God. We'd run away from him. And Jesus came along. And he took care of our sin. He took care of our shame. He helped us. He helped us get back home. And maybe this morning you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Say yes to him. Come home to God. Be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. Or maybe you have something else that's on your heart today. However you need to respond, do that as we stand together and worship.